things in his hands. And his friend said to him, what is that? And he said, it's called a thermos. And he said, well, what does it do? He says, well, it keeps hot things hot and cold things cold. And he says, wow, that is so cool. Well, the next day they showed up for work, and his friend had got one too. He says, oh, you got one of the thermoses. Fantastic. He says, well, what do you have in it? He says, well, I have two cups of coffee and a popsicle. Some things need a little further explanation. That's just the way it works, uh, at least for some of us. Uh, and, and spiritual gifts is one of those. It's, it's one of those things. It's really interesting. Uh, they're, they're, uh, we'll see this in a moment. Uh, uh, in fact, if you want to head to First Corinthians 12, that's where we're going this morning. If you have a Bible or your devices, or if you need a Bible and, and would like to look on, uh, there's some stacked back there by the sound booth. You can go back and grab one or put your hand up. We'll get one to you. But... Uh, uh, there, Paul's going to talk a little bit about how we need to know about the spiritual gifts. And, and it's really interesting. There are certain things in the Bible that it, it seems to, that uh, the writers put a, a extra significance on. And it's interesting to me that often those are the things that for one, other, one reason or another we neglect. Uh, it's funny, the book of Revelation, which is a book that kind of tells the end of the story, you know, uh, and, and it actually starts, it's the last book of the Bible, it starts with this statement that those who read this and study it will be blessed. And yet that's one of those books that most of us kind of say, oh man, I can't, I don't understand that, I'm not even going to go there. And I think that's because the enemy says, stay out of that book because you're going to get a special blessing. Well, spiritual gifts, as we'll see in a moment, is one of those things that, that uh, uh, the, the Apostle Paul, who we're looking at today, says, man, you need to know about this. And yet, it is, again, one of those things that so often we're ignorant about. We, you know, we say, well, I know there's, I've heard spiritual gifts, I've heard about it, but I really don't know how does it work, and, and how do I, you know, do I have one? And if I do have one, how do I find out what it is? And, and uh, Travis already answered that, and nefarious. Whoa, that's a, that's a good word there. That was, I wrote that one down to figure out what it means. But anyway, uh, so, so, it, it's, so it's an interesting discussion. Now, we're going we're gonna to start. Uh, here's, here's, let me give you a list. Now, this, if you looked at the different books in the New Testament to talk about uh, the spiritual gifts, uh, one of them is 1 Corinthians. Uh, Romans talks about it. Uh, Ephesians, a little bit about it. Uh, Peter wrote about it in 1 first, in, uh, first Peter. So... From those, all those different sources, this list kind of came out of it. Now, those categories are not biblical. They, they're not laid out that way in the Bible. Uh, what has happened is some smart guys, some biblical scholars have looked at this, and they said, well, they kind of seem to filter out this way. And so their support gifts, which we looked at that kind of a while back. It's Ephesians 4, and it talks about these uh, gifts that God has given to the church to help develop the church. And so we're not going to really spend much time there. The sign gifts have another whole purpose in mind in, re, in, in, the, in the building up of the body in the, in the church. So we're, we're focusing for this part of this study. We may come back and talk to those others more in the future. But we're going to focus kind of on that center list, the, the service gifts, uh, which you see listed there. And, and we're going to get into trying to define them some. But kind of let me give you a heads up. And I'll say this again as we work into the message. Uh, we got to be really careful anytime we take something that is sourced from God and try to box it in too much. Uh, you know, what these gifts actually do or how they should be used. And, and, and I'll talk more about that it's not, and, and uh, uh, even as we get into defining them. But, uh, 
But so this is kind of the list we're going to work off for these next few weeks up into the Easter season anyway. And, and uh, so here's the passage, though, that we're going to start with this morning. I want to read this. Uh, this is from the, uh, uh, the message, the modern translation by, <coughs> excuse me, Eugene Peterson. I want to read it from that first, and then we'll look at it in whatever version you have in front of you. But just let me read out loud through this. Uh, what I want to talk about is, now is the various ways... God's Spirit gets worked into the law, into our lives. This is a complex and often misun- this is complex and often misunderstood. But I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. And so that's kind of a a modern translation. But now we're going to go into 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to work down through verses this morning, verses 1 through 7. And, and, uh, you know, some of this is, you know, it's kind of... uh, of just kind of a teaching time, of, uh, and, and a lot of, as we walk through this, will be that. But, but I hope that in the process of this, that, that somewhere along this discussion this morning, God reaches in and kind of grabs your heart and says, man, this is big stuff. And, and so that's my prayer. In fact, let me pray for us as we start into this. Father, thank you for, for everyone here, and, and Lord, just for this church, this, this family, church is not the building. We're, we're grateful for the building you've given us, but we recognize that's not the church. The church is, is the f- people you brought together here. And Lord, we're, we want to do well at being your church. And because of that, this discussion is really an important one. Not that any of the other ones aren't as well, but, but especially as we, as we delve into this, continue into this discussion of spiritual gifts. So guide us this morning as we think through this together. I Pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so we start with verse 1, and verse 1 starts this way. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. So we're, we're into this discussion of spiritual gifts, and, and uh, uh, first thing we, I want to do, and it kind of fits with what I said a moment ago, is, is Paul starts off by saying, this is one of those things that we should not be ignorant about. We should know about this. And, and like I say, and yet it's one of those things that in, in general, and I suspect if we kind of did a survey, but I, wouldn't, I don't want to do that, we'd say, yeah, I know about them, but I don't really know about them. Uh, what's my spiritual gift? I'm not really sure. And, and uh, you know, so, and, and so I, I got to, and, and that ignorant, knew not being ignorant, could have been translated, I don't want you to be uninformed. Uh, it is translated in other translations. I don't want you to be unaware. So this is a big deal. There, in fact, that phrase doesn't show, off a whole, show up a whole lot in the New Testament. So when it does, you've got to kind of pay attention because when Paul says, hey, man, this is something you need to know about if you're a, if you're a follower of Christ. We need, that means we need to know about it. So he starts that way. And, and uh, this, is, this, will, this is, I'm going to pick on Nina. I told her I, in advance I would. So I get this. Nina does something for me, which is really important. If you notice, I, I send out those emails in the beginning of the week and the end of the week. I should always have Nina check them because I, every time I, and you know, it's funny. And it's funny when you write something and then you read it the first time, you read it like you meant to say it. 
But then when it shows up in my email, like yours, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, man, I, that was the wrong word. I spelled that wrong. And Well, Nina really is careful about doing this for me on the slide. She'll check the slides over. And so I get this text from Nina last night, and she says, by the way, I noticed in the slides that you had the word gifts in the first slide, but then after that, you removed it. And so I put it all back for you. And so I said, well, I took it out on purpose. <laughs> so, so she says, okay, she went back and put it back for me. To, but I don't want you to stop checking those for me, Nina, because uh, we all appreciate that. But here's the reason. It's interesting, in that first verse, the word gifts is not there. And, and what I think probably the scholars did was they said, well, we're talking about gifts. It's obvious in the context, so we'll stick it back in there because right from the get-go, then you know what the subject is. But, and, and I'm not the scholar, but here's my opinion. I think that was a mistake. Because uh, I kind of I trust when God works through someone like Paul or whatever once, and he, and he has it written a certain way. And, and, and here's why. You know, a few weeks ago, we were looking at Romans 1 and 2, Romans 12, 1 and 2, where, where same writer, Paul, who wrote this, this particular uh, book, he said that if we are a believer, we have got to come to a point where we renew our way of thinking, where our perspective about life and ourselves in the midst of this life needs to change. And, and, and especially in, in the realm of, of spiritual things, that, that you know, from Paul's perspective as he laid this out and lays it out in other areas, and we talked about this. You know, we look at the, this. We look at the building. We look at the sidewalks, the chairs we sit on, the carpet. And we tend to think this is, this is reality. You know, this is kind of going to be around forever. But, but, I mean, in the back of our minds, we know that's not true. But Paul says, no, that's not the case. This is all temporary. This is all going to go away sometimes. And, and you know, as we, we met last week and talked a little bit about, you know, some of the plans for building. If you want to go upstairs on this side of the building, it's already going away up there. It's falling apart. And that's what happens. So all this stuff disappears at some point. And Paul says what is real is there's a spiritual realm around us that will go on forever. And so he challenges us to start thinking in terms of eternity and of, of God and, and of living our life from the perspective of, I want to make sure that my life means something for eternity. And so this, I think he's saying the same thing here. He says, about things spiritual. We're talking about spiritual things here. This is a big deal. And so he's kind of dropping in that, okay, we're into the important stuff now. The word gifts doesn't show up actually in the original language until we get down to to verse 4. But so I want to kind of... Uh, flush this out a little more. And some of you will remember this story. In the Old Testament, uh, there was a prophet named Elijah, and then after him, his, his, uh, his kind of, he mentored a guy named Elisha. So Elisha comes on the scene, and a prophet remembers a person that God would use to speak for him lots of times to kind of say, here's what's coming down the pike, what's going to happen in the near future. And, and so there's this, in 2 Kings second, there, or 6, there is this Think going on. King Aram was a guy who hated the Israelites. And so he is out and he's, he, he wants to conquer the Israelite people. So he's got his army together and, and it's a pretty formidable army and, and they're a big deal. And so he's got them together and 
his, his goal is, I'm going, to just, I'm going to defeat and make enslave these Israelites. And so he, he gets his, his top guys together. They plan a strategy. They go out to, to work their strategy. And every time they, they try to do something, it's like someone told the king of Israel and his men in advance what was going to happen. And they're ready for him. And this doesn't happen once. It happens several times in a row to the point where King Aram says, Get my guys together because we got a spy among us, and I'm going to figure out who this is, and, and we're going to get rid of the spy. So he gathers them together, in there, and he's, he's doing the accusation thing, and they basically, some, one of them says, no, that's not what's going on here. He says, well, what's going on? He says, they got this guy named Elijah, Elisha, and he's a prophet, and, and somehow he knows what we're going to do before we even know we're going to do it. God must tell him, and so he's warning them every time. So King Aram says, well, that's an easy fix. We'll kill Elijah. Like that would really do it anyway. But that's his plan. Let's kill Elijah. So, so find out where Elijah is. We're going to go. We'll kill him. And then, and then we can go with our battle. And, and so that's the plan. They do. They find Elisha. And if you remember, he, King Aram and, and his soldiers, they all go to this little town. And, and during the night, they surround the house that Elisha is in with the plan that come morning, they're going to, take the problem out of the equation. So in the morning, if you remember, uh, and said it, Elijah's servant heads outside to do something, and when he gets outside, well, here's what happens. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. He runs back inside, oh, my Lord, what shall we do? I'm not sure if he's saying, I'm my Lord, to... Elijah is like, oh, my Lord, what do we do? I don't know what's going on there. The servant asked. And Elijah says, ah, don't worry about it. Which didn't help the servant at all. He's not, he is not convinced that this is nothing to worry about. And, and so if you remember what happens, Elijah prays. It says, Elijah prayed, open, Lord, oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw that the hills were full, and char- the hills full, and chariots of, of fire were all around Elijah. So the servant goes out, and and, got, and Elijah prays, and he looks, and all of a sudden he realizes, "Oh, wait a minute, we're completely surrounded by the armies of God." That's why Elijah, Elijah said, ah, "Don't worry about it." And so yeah, there's this spiritual realm, and, and basically Elijah said. Help my servants to see the fact that uh, that army, they aren't the real deal. The real deal is around us, protecting us, and, and we've got nothing to worry about. And you can go on and check that story out and find out how it ends if you want to. I've piqued your curiosity for yourself. But that's what we're talking about here. And so, so when, when Paul starts off by saying about things spiritual, he, there's a reason for that. We are moving into that realm where, and where Paul says we're going to have to renew our mind about this because this is not the way we normally think. We normally think that this is what matters, and he's saying it doesn't. This stuff we're talking about is, is a huge thing. It's spiritual, and it's a big deal. It's, it's a bigger deal than anything you're going to see around you. So, then down in verse 4, he introduces the name, the word gifts. So let's get down to that verse for today. There are, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, gifts is the word charisma. It, it is a word that uh, 
it speaks to something that's been received without any merit of my own. Uh, the word grace is involved. In fact, lots of times people refer to these as grace gifts. I didn't, I didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't, you know, it, it is simply something that God gave me. And we'll talk, we'll kind of develop that out a little more as we talk about this. So, so he's given us these grace gifts. Every, if you're a follower of Christ, and, and, and by that, just to make sure we understand what that means, if, if you have responded to God's offer of forgiveness, doesn't matter what your story is, uh, and, and, and I got to tell you, you know, and I've shared this with you before, you know, I get talking to some of you and, and I, and uh, you'll, you know, and I, I like to hear people's story and, you know, it's not often, it's not infrequent that someone will say, well, you never heard a story like this. And, and then I hear it and I said, yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised how many people you rose shoulders with have very similar stories. We got to all have our story, whatever your story is, God says, and, and whatever, whatever you look at in your life and you say, man, that was when I, when I lived that way, when I did that thing, when I headed that direction, that was so wrong of me, so contrary to what God wanted for me. And God says, yeah, I get that. And I know all those things, but I love you and I'm offering you forgiveness as a gift. Like any gift, you either take it or you reject it, but you don't pay for it or it's not a gift. So it's not anything we can offer. And so, and he says, then when you accepted that gift of my forgiveness, I adopted you into my family and and I gave you some other gifts, the ones that we're talking about. There's other things too, but we're talking about right now. So, so a gift is something that has nothing to do with, I didn't merit it. it just, and so he says, God, there are these different kinds of gifts that we have. And, and, uh, so he said, and he calls them different kinds. Uh, uh, simply, that means a variety of gifts. There are a variety of gifts. And I'll tell you, in this discussion here, and I, and I kind of alluded to it in the beginning, uh, we have to really be careful when we're talking about spiritual things. To tr- we've got to be careful of trying to box it in, of saying, well, well, this is what this gift means. This is how it's supposed to be used. And, and uh, I think as soon as we start doing that, we, start, we, we get into a dangerous area because you can't do that to God. You can't, you can't box him in. You know, here, I think I have the gift of mercy, and here's exactly how to be used. About that time, God's going to say, no, I'm going to use it this way. You know, I, I shared the story last week about the, the, the man, the, the family that had lost the father, and, and he had the four kids and the mom, and, and this man that, uh, you know, stepped into that situation, showed up on the morning of the funeral and, and said, let me polish your shoes for you. You know, so was that the gift of mercy? Was, was, did God just kind of break his heart for these people? And we haven't defined the gifts too much yet, but did he just break this heart? Or, or maybe it was a gift of ministration. He's one of those guys that thinks, well, this is going to be need to be done, and that's going to be need to be done. And so, oh, they're going to need to have shoes polished, so let me go. You know what? So, so we've got to be careful in this conversation where, where we don't define. In fact, one of the things, you know, there are a lot of, uh, they call them spiritual gift inventories or tests out there. And I'm not saying that necessarily they're a bad thing, but I, but. That's again, when we try to box God in and say this, this, and this equals this, we're, we're in dangerous territory. So as we talk about this, you know, I'm going to try to do the best I can using God's word to help us understand it and yet not try to define how God gets, does things because he, he has his own way. And then he goes on and says, all these gifts, though, these various gifts come from the same spirit. And notice in your Bibles, the spirit is capitalized here. In your Bibles, you can, you'll find that Sometimes you'll see that word spirit and it'll be, well, it'll have a lowercase word, uh, letters, S. When, it, when it's lowercase letter S, it's talking about the human spirit. The, the Bible indicates that you and I are made up of three parts. We're, we're body, soul, and spirit. 
And, and so your body, you know, the physical realm, the soul is that, that consciousness that you have, uh, that ability to have these personal private conversations sometimes with yourself that you don't want to do out loud because people are going to wonder about you. And, but even to take in kind of the, what's going around you. And, and then there's this spirit, this part of, of every human being that is meant to have connection with God. And that's why even someone who hasn't made that connection has this void. They're looking for something, and they try all these different things because they know there's something missing in their life. And, and so if, it, if your Bible has the, the little lowercase s spirit, that's talking about the human spirit, when it's capitalized this, then it's saying it's God the Spirit the third person of the Trinity. And, and so all these gifts that we're talking this as we talk through these spiritual gifts, they, they're all uh, uh, part of what God the Spirit has given us when he came and lived within us as we became believers. So, so they all come from the same source. They all come from the same person. God the Spirit is, is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. And I can't explain to you how that works, but it works. All right, so, and then the same. I just, just, these are some technical things. It's actually the, the Greek word autos. We get our word automatic from it. And so what this is saying is this is something that happens automatically for a believer. And that'll flush out more as we look at this. It's not something you work for. Uh, you're, we're going to find out as we look, continue to look at this. It's not something that you can say, hey, I want that gift. I like that gift. You know, Paul does okay, but I think I can do better, so I'm going after that That preaching gift. That's the one I want to be, and I'll, I'll replace. You know, we don't go after our gift. Uh, it, he decides. In fact, you'll see it more clearly as we work through this passage. All right, so verse 5. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. First of all, as we walk up to, uh, talk through these gifts, we need to understand they are meant to be used to serve. Now, serving each other is what's in mind. That, that we, we talked about that. He uses this, that, this analogy of the body, that every part of the body, we need them. And so they're meant to be, they're, we are meant to serve each other, to minister to each other. And, and then it splashes out onto the people around us in the community as well. But it's kind of unusual. At the same time, he says, but they're in service to the same Lord. And this is a principle that is so significant, if we can grab onto it, because you know, and I talk about this a lot in relationships, marriage relationships, and you know, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll get a husband and wife, they're in conflict, and, and we all have conflict at times. That's just the, that's, you stick two humans together, and that's going to be part of it. But sometimes they kinda, we're kind of in this impasse, and one of the first, and I've shared this with you before, one of the first conversations that I'll usually have is, okay, uh, especially if they're a believer, I'll say, you know, you've got to quit thinking of this problem in and your response in terms of the other person. Uh, if it's a husband, I'll say, this is really not about your wife. Yeah, but you don't know what she does. He, yeah, man, just, I know she looks really good on Sunday, but you should see her when I get home at night. What a pain. I mean, she, nah, 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 nah. and I say, well, you know, it's, it's not about her. Yeah, but you haven't heard. It's not about her. It's about you and God. And see, what this is about is you decide every day whether or not with the help of God, you're going to be the kind of husband that pleases your God. It really doesn't matter what she does. You want to end the day being able to say, God, I honored you with the kind of husband I was today. 
And that works into our employer employment and everything else. But I want to know that. And so really it's about God and you. It's not about that other person. And that's what he's saying here. These ministry, these gifts are used to minister and serve each other and, and serve people in the community. But really it's not about the other person. Because if it was, here's what happens. You know, I know that they're having a hard time, you know, so-and-so this week. But, man, she was so rude to me last week. And I know I should be, my spiritual gift, I should be kind of plugging in and helping, but I'm not going to because they just don't deserve it. Well, that's the problem. It's not about them. It's a service to the Lord, and so you do it anyway because that's what it's about. It's about serving God well. So it continues to walk through this down to verse 6. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all Men. Now, I like this translation better. I think the New American, New International Version, which is what I read from, isn't as good as the New American Standard Version. He says, there are a variety of effects or, or results, but the same God works all things in all. So, so here's, here's just kind of a synopsis. Number one, you can't box the impact of spiritual gifts in. You, you can't say, here's my, I know my spiritual gift, here's how it's going to be used. I already said this, but kind of Revisiting that is, is we can't box God in. He, there's all kinds of gifts, and they can be used in all kinds of ways. You know, the, the gift of mercy might show up in a place that you never anticipated that there was a need for mercy there, but God did. He knew that. And, and so when we talk about these things, there's a variety of effects. There's all kinds of results, but they all are happening because God the Spirit is working all things in all individuals. Or you know, it's, it's not a one plus two equals three combination. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Equation. Thank you. I, once in a while. More often than not, unfortunately. Yeah, nefarious. <laughs> it's a, not a nefarious thing. It, it's a God thing. It's not an us thing. God works these things out. And, and so God wants to use us, and, and that's where he's going. In the verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. First of all, each one is talking about followers of Christ, individuals who have accepted that gift of salvation. Every believer is what it's talking about there. And the context makes that clear. Earlier on, he refers to the brothers and sisters because when you accept that gift, you're adopted into God's family. You're, you're his daughter. You're his son. And, and so that's what he's making ref- later on after he finishes this part of the discussion. He's going to say, you're all the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. And so, so each one talks about us as believers. And to each one, every believer, a manifestation of the Spirit is given. And, and so this word is it's something that has been made known or visible. So, so you know, sometimes when we, we, we equate spiritual, because we're talking about spiritual things to things and so, here. So we equate that spiritual means private, you know. And I hear people say that sometimes, you know, my... My relationship with God, it's, a, it's kind of a private thing, and, and uh, you know, don't talk about it much. And, and so we'll talk about spiritual gift. Well, you know, it's kind of a private thing. It's kind of a thing that just me and God, we have together. And he's saying, oh, no. So what this is about. This is to be out in the open. It's to be public. This is not a hidden or mysterious thing. It, it's out there. That's why he said we don't need to be ignorant. We shouldn't be ignorant about this thing because these are important. They, they are public. They make a difference in the life of the church. This is a big deal. They're not something to keep private that we're supposed to keep to ourselves. Uh, it's not something that's deeply personal. 
It's public, you know, and we may not always, you know, we can, I'll, I'll tell you, when, when you're, you use your spiritual gift, not only will you be able to tell, man, because God's going to do something through you and you're going to say, wow, never thought, never thought I'd be able to do that. And the reality is you didn't. But you're going to have others too say, I can't tell you. You know, remember, we went, go back to that story with the, the mother that had lost her husband and three kids. And remember that friend who a few weeks later said, what, what in, the, in this whole process of walking through that grief process, what was the, what made the biggest deal, what was the biggest impression? And, you know, we think, well, the, the pastor's sermon, of course, at the funeral, because that's where, you know, or, or all the people that brought the food, and it's just that guy that came and polished the shoes. See, see God does big things through things that we don't think that, we don't think are that big of a deal. And he says, no, this is huge. Each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's a very insightful word, very cool word. It actually is the word symphera. What does that sound like to you? Symphony. When spiritual gifts are used correctly, they create a harmony. They create this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
That's what happens when the gifts are used correctly. It produces a harmony. And a harmony that not only impacts us, but remember that early church we looked at a while back? People looked at the church and they saw how much they loved each other. And they started every day coming because they wanted to be a part of it. They didn't even understand it, but they wanted to be a part of whatever it was that was happening in that church. You know, our problem, though, is we say, well, you know, you know my story, Paul, I'm, I'm damaged. Uh, don't have a good history. I know God uses other people, but yeah, not me. A few years ago, CBS ran a story, uh, one of those human interest stories, and they told a story that <clears throat> took place in a nursing home, true story. Uh, two women came into this nursing home the same week. One was named Margaret, one was named Ruth. They did not know each other. In fact, even while they were there at the, ho- at the nursing home, they never met each other. Both women had had strokes. Uh, Margaret had had a stroke that had paralyzed her on her entire left side, and, and Ruth had had a very similar stroke, except it had paralyzed her on her right side. And, and both women, uh, as they were put in these homes, had moved into despondency. Their perspective of life and, and their ability to contribute uh, had gone right down the tubes. They were convinced that they had nothing to offer anymore. And In fact, they were both so depressed and discouraged that they didn't want to come out of their rooms, and they couldn't do much anyway. Most things had to be done for them, and so so they stayed in the room and never even met each other and didn't really know the other people in the nursing home, and they were sinking deeper and deeper into this despair. And the director of this particular home was concerned. Uh, You know, uh, people who lose hope, often lose life, and, and, and she was worried. They weren't eating, and they are growing weaker and weaker, and so she was trying to figure out, what can I do? How, how can I help these ladies not to see that there's still life ahead of them? And, and, and just because things are not working right doesn't mean that they're, they don't have anything to offer. And so she began to, to check their case, looked into the investigating further, and, and she discovered that they had something else in common besides the fact that both had had strokes. They both had been accomplished musicians at, at a time in their past and both played the piano and played it beautifully. And so she had an idea. And so the next day she gathered together her staff and she said, we're going we're gonna to do this. And she explained it to them. And so uh, a nurse was sent into Margaret's room and a nurse was sent into Ruth's room and and, and uh, they began to get them ready. And, and they had a wheelchair and, and Margaret right away protested, what are you doing? She says, well, we need to, you've got to leave the room today. We're going to take you out into the 
to the main dining area, and, they, and she didn't want to, neither did Ruth. They, they're really protesting this whole thing, but they didn't really have a choice. So they put them in these wheelchairs, and they wheeled these lady out, and, and they both came face to face. They never met each other, and introduced, they introduced them, and uh, I doubt that they even cared. And then they pulled them into this room, and in the center of this room was a piano. And both ladies saw the piano, and neither knew that the other had a history with a piano, but I'm sure that at that moment it was kind of grief. It's kind of like... Are you purposely trying to make us feel worse? And, and then worse than that, they actually wheeled them up to the piano keyboard. And talk about pouring salt into a wound. And, and so both of the ladies were, had gone, were going from despondency to anger as to, you know, what are you trying to do from this? And about that point, the director of this home placed some sheet music in front of them. And they actually had put Margaret over on the left-hand side of the keyboard because, and, and Ruth on the right-hand side. And so this music was placed in front of them, and they just sit and look for a moment. And then a light clicked on in Margaret's head. And she took her right hand, which still functioned, put it on the keyboard, and began to play the melody. And as she started to do that, Ruth caught on. And she took her left hand, and she put it up on that keyboard, and she began to play the harmony. And pretty soon... That room and those halls were filled with a beautiful melody. We all are damaged. We were born damaged. We were born with the curse of sin on us. We've all had the battles, we all have a history. And Satan would like to convince you and me we have nothing to offer. And God says, I brought you all together for a reason. Grab hold that gift. Sorry, begin to use it. And beautiful music is going to come out. You just got to push up to the keyboard. Let's pray. It is so easy, Father, for us to convince ourselves that we have nothing to offer, and yet to do so is to to go contrary to what your word tells us. Paul says the things we're talking about are things we cannot be ignorant about. We need to understand. We are a body. We need each other. And when we function right, when we take the time to begin to serve each other, some beautiful music comes out of that. Music that not only touches our lives and blesses your heart, but impacts our community. And that's what we want. So Lord, as we continue down this path, thinking this through, give us hearts willing to push up to the keyboard. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. You're dismissed.